Last, we got Kirby Short. Kirby has played for the Brisbane Heat and the Queensland Fire in women's cricket. She captained the Brisbane Heat to back-to-back premierships, and she has a great story. I can't wait for you to listen to this podcast, and I'll see you in the next one. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Anytime. What did you want to be when you were growing up? Ooh, um, do you know, I wanted to be a pilot. Um, and then I don't know whether it was true or false, but someone actually told me that um, you had to be a particular height and I'm not a very tall human being. And so they shattered my hopes and dreams by telling me that I, th- I might have been a bit too short to do it. So pilot was my dream and then someone busted that for me. Good dream to have, though. I think so. Yeah. How would your oldest friend describe you? My oldest friend. My oldest friend would describe me as a really loyal human being. Um, My oldest friend would describe me as being quite a thoughtful person Um, and, yeah, really well considered. I think I I tend to get a bit of feedback about being quite reflective and and thinking through things. Um, And I'm also a pretty honest person. So I would say loyal, honest and reflective. Yeah, nice. What are you most proud of in your life or career? Yeah, it's an interesting question, Max. I think probably most proud of the fact that I will um, walk my talk, that I I do the things that I say that I'm going to do. I think I try and that's something that I try and do no matter where I am, no matter what job I'm doing or what sport I'm playing, that um, I'm proud of the fact that I, I am who I say I am. I don't, I'm not different versions of myself when I go to different places. Yeah, nice. Good thing to have in your arm. Yeah, good. How do you handle hard times, like getting injured or not getting picked in a team you want to get picked in? Yeah, I've, I've probably got something I've got better at um, as I've gone along in my career. I think there were lots of, I was actually only talking to my mum and dad the other night about um, when I was in year 12 and I didn't get picked in a state softball team that I thought that I was going to make and um, how I dealt with that then compared to how I'd probably deal with it now. And there were so many cricket teams, um, even when I was in the Queensland squad that I didn't get picked. I dread the phone call from the head of selectors on a Sunday night and what will I make it? Won't I make it? And I think ultimately it comes down to controlling the things that you can control. I think it, it sounds really simple, but it can actually be quite complex. But ultimately, if you remember that you can only do what you can do, you can only, if you don't score enough runs, then you don't deserve to be picked. And if you do score enough runs and you don't get picked, then um, that's someone's made that decision and you have to live with that or if you go for a job interview and you don't get the job maybe you're not the right fit for that place so I think for me the biggest thing in dealing with any kind of adversity is just control the stuff that you can control yeah for sure what's it been like playing in the WBBL and WNCL Pretty cool. Um, I was pretty lucky because I sort of got to be part of it when it was super amateur um, and then all the way to when it, the WBBL, you know, we, we sold out a couple of cricket grounds in playing the, in the two years that we won the finals, we sold out two cricket grounds doing that. And there were hundreds of thousands of people watching on TV. So pretty great to be able to be a part of a, a time when, you know, we trained twice a week and we hardly had any staff. And then to the end of my career, when it was literally, you know, sell out crowds and and loads of television coverage. So I feel quite privileged that I got to see both sides. I think it helps you have perspective for how far the game has come when you're able to 
yeah, to see the full spectrum of things and see it be genuinely professional. So I'm pretty lucky. I'm very grateful um, and a yeah, really unique time in my life and career for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's been great to see the like just up trend upwards of women's cricket in the world. Yeah, it's pretty great. And the World yeah. Cup's about to start starting too. Yep, can't wait for that one. What's it what was it like winning those two premierships with the Brisbane Heat? So satisfying, Max. Like I think um, when I think about the first one, we were massive underdogs. No one thought that we even deserved to be in the final. And that was that year when there were those two semifinals that went down to the last ball and the final went down to the last over. So there were these three just incredible games of cricket and they all happened in Sydney. In that season, we... um, we'd had like 20 something flights. Like we'd been all around the country. It was ridiculous. Um, we, and we've kind of just embraced the fact that that's how it was, you know, how sometimes sporting teams and I know the Scorchers were a bit the case this season, like they left home and they didn't go back. And it's kind of similar in the sense, you just embrace the fact that it's a little bit challenging and you can choose for it to be challenging or you just choose to get on with it. And um, that first season we found ourselves playing against the Sydney Sixers and their team on paper was so much better than ours. Like no one knew who our internationals were and um, we were always accused of being really inconsistent anyway. And we won that crazy semi-final against the Thunder. Hayley Burkett took that ridiculous catch um, on the boundary that saved a six. Nick Carey whacked one and saved a six and we got into the final. And it was almost like, oh, well, what will be will be. And the whole crowd was pink. There was just pink everywhere. Um, the whole hill was filled with Sydney Six supporters and we were in Sydney and no one thought we could win. And then all of a sudden we were in a position to win and Beth Mooney had that amazing innings and, and all of a sudden we won. It was like, holy heck, like how did that even happen? So that day was a great day, I think, because no one expected us to do it. So that was quite special. And then I think um, the second one, in Brisbane that was a whole nother thing because all of a sudden instead of being the ones that you know were the underdogs and no one knew about all of a sudden we were the title holders and we were the ones being chased so that was a whole different set of challenges I think and um, to do that in front of your home crowd and to have all of the teal instead of the pink this time was pretty cool and um, to be playing against a really good Adelaide side I think they we we were the two teams that deserved to be in the final and um, yeah I guess just fortunate it's it's rare that you get to win two and even more so when you happen to do that in a row so pretty special yeah definitely I still remember watching them they're some of the greatest games you'll see yeah that that final series I still don't reckon male or female of any kind of sport to have three games in a row two semis in a final that were that close so often the AF like with the AFL I reckon the prelims always better than the grand final you know there's more, there's been better prelims than there have been grand finals definitely any good games in a row yeah definitely and that was the one season where I think it's happened I don't think it's really happened that much in the BBL recently either no I agree with you yeah then what's it like playing for the Queensland Fire yeah Queensland Fire that's probably where my heart lies in Maroon um I think that's that's something like I say you get a true appreciation of the evolution of um amateur to semi-professional sport and I think there's still a bit of a way to go to be fair for the that domestic competition in Australia and I know that currently there's negotiations with the next MOU with the players about what the next five years will look like of growth in that game as well and that's going to be really important because and I know you've spoken to a bunch of female athletes on your podcast just about 
it's almost like people have to work and play. Um, and until the WBBL was awesome because the TV coverage associated with that kind of put women's cricket on the map a little bit. I think there's still some growth to go. Same with the Marsh Cup and the Shield and WNCL kind of all fits in the same category now where those our domestic competitions are brilliant like they they are the reason that we have Australian teams that are amazing you know our Australian women's cricket team like they're remarkable because our domestic comps are so good so I think it's important that we continue to remember um, you don't get those amazing international results if we don't have really good domestic competitions so um, it's good that Cricket Australia continue to invest in the game and keep providing opportunities through WNCL I know that the last couple of years they've had to kind of make some changes the girls get on a plane actually I think it's today they get on a plane yeah, and they're, they're on a plane to Sydney today and Canberra and back to Sydney so it's a, a little bit of a different looking tournament but um, yeah they're traveling today so off to WNCL and I look forward to watching the stream that's the cool thing now about the development of women's sport yeah, that you were talking televised. about 100% jump on KO and have a look yeah definitely yeah. <laughs> and then going into that side of the streaming how have you liked commentating with seven this summer yeah I loved it I um it's funny it it's out of my comfort zone, to be honest, Max. Like I, in front of a camera, hair and makeup and all the things, like that's not necessarily where I thought that I would be when I finished playing cricket. Um, I, It's funny. The story goes that two weeks before I got called by Channel 7 to ask me to do it, um, and I've done a little bit with Fox Sports as well, and both of those organisations had contacted me. But a couple of weeks before that, I was standing at school I obviously my job is a, a deputy principal during my, my real job, I call it. Um, and I was talking to a group of year seven kids and they were doing this growth mindset challenge. Myself and the year coordinator had challenged them to learn a new skill. Um, so some of them were juggling, some of them were doing card tricks, a whole bunch of different stuff. And I was saying, you know, it's okay if it's challenging and it's hard and you feel uncomfortable, but it means you're learning something new. And I thought, goodness me, if this person has called me and asked me to do something that makes me feel those things and then I said no imagine what kind of hypocrite I would be so it was actually technically my grade sevens at school that inspired me to say yes to something that would put me out of my comfort zone and turns out it was probably one of the best decisions I've made I I, I didn't realize how much I love thinking about the game and talking about the game I think it's different when you're playing it because you feel so attached to the result um, but when you just get to talk about cricket and analyse cricket and think through the kinds of things that are going through the players' minds, um, yeah, I actually enjoyed it way more than I thought that I would. So it's been a really fun experience and I hope I get to do a little bit more of it. Yeah, so you commentated the Test match. Yeah. The ODIs. And the, did you do the T20s? I did. Um, so not during the Ashes, but I did um, the BBL. I did T20s in the BBL as well. And I did... Um, the Australia India T20s, I did those. Yeah. So, yeah, so that, had was, a, a really, that one was for yeah. Fox, wasn't it? Yeah, correct. So, and I did, did Fox, yeah. yeah, Fox with the, some of the India stuff. There was some work with Channel 7 for that. And then I did some WBBL with Seven. And then I did the BBL with Fox. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Have you always played as a batsman in cricket? Um, I've sort of done all the things, actually. Um, when I first started, I bowled a bit of off spin, um, bowled a lot of overs for my club. And there was sort of, I mean, like, to be fair, if you're going to bowl something and you're not sure what to bowl, most people just bowl off spin. So I wouldn't necessarily call myself a bowler. Um, but I did a little bit of, I sort of, my entry point into the fire squad particularly was um, 
sort of as a, a bit of an all-rounder, I guess. And then um, a couple of coaches sort of said, I actually think you should probably bat up the order a little bit. So I didn't really bowl a whole lot at a representative level. Um, I bowled a lot for my club. I sort of very much batted and bowled, sort of played that all-rounder role at my club. But um, yeah, largely a batter um, was sort of where I ended up settling and doing most of the work in my career, yeah. Yeah, nice. I know you'll have a lot of, I know you'll have a different pathway to everyone, but what was your professional pathway to cricket? Yeah, it is a little bit different. So I played, um, I guess I was part of an era, particularly in Brisbane, where being in the city, um, girls playing cricket probably wasn't as much of a thing when I was going through school. It was like girls played softball, boys played cricket. That was kind of how it worked at school sport. Um, I had a, a, I was sort of family of cricketers my brother was a good cricketer but I literally hadn't engaged in the sport whatsoever um and then I was in year 12 finishing year 12 and I had someone say to me oh you should go along to the under 17 Queensland trials for cricket and I thought well that's a bit backward isn't it because you're supposed to play club and earn your stripes and then go along to representative trials and I'd played heaps of rep softball through high school and I kind of just had fallen out of love with it to be honest and I got this opportunity to go along to the under 17 trial and made the team and I think to be fair at the time like the pool of female players playing cricket was pretty small Um, lots of transferable skills from softball so that made fielding and batting a lot more simple in terms of that transition I guess um anyway so I made this state team and I said oh well, you need to be registered with the club so I was like oh my goodness I've got, I've got to find a club so I can actually go away and play for Queensland and one of my mates from school played at West um and Catherine Raymond is a wonderful human being who coaches there as well and so I joined West when I was 17 and I've been a Westie ever since um and then I went on and kind of played so I did it a little bit back the front to be honest Um, And it was funny because I was playing in a lot of representative teams, even in the Queensland Fire, um, where girls younger than me had actually played more cricket than me. So that was quite an interesting thing. Like I was learning from girls who were a lot younger than me that come from the country that played heaps of cricket with the boys. Someone like Delisa Kimmins from Warwick, uh, Holly Furling from Harvey Bay, Beck Mooney from Harvey Bay. Well, I should say King Roy for Holly, to be fair. Um, so, yeah, like I think those girls have played a heap of club cricket since they were really little, whereas I hadn't had that experience. So my journey was a little bit different. So I guess I'm a good story and it's never too late to have a go at anything. Yeah, definitely. What are your goals for the next couple of years through just life at the moment? Yeah, interesting. It's actually a really interesting time to ask me that question. I've um, The commentary stuff across the summer that ran into term one meant that I took a little bit of leave at the start of this year just so I could it was one of those things it's not every day someone asks you to be involved in an ashes broadcast and I thought I can't say no to this and then that sort of meant that I needed to take some leave from school and what that's provided me with is a chance to just interact with some different people and do some different things so um I think my goals, what used to be really quite linear goals, you know, like I'm a deputy principal in a high school and there was a big part of me that thought, hey, maybe I could be a principal one day, like that'd be pretty cool. Um, My last couple of months, and as I said to you before, like how much I've enjoyed the commentary, I'm... I'm looking forward to exploring some opportunities there, I think, and almost going, well, if I I said before, one of the things I'm proud of is that I'll walk my talk and I talk to a lot of people about, you know, do the things that will fulfill you and do the things that will challenge you. I love being challenged, whether that's 
physically with sport or whether it's mentally by doing something new or learning something new. So if I am going to walk my talk, then my answer to the goals question in the next couple of years is to continue to challenge myself with things that maybe are a little bit new and different. And I'm hoping that some of that will be some commentary, which would be pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Who's the worst teammate to bring with through your career and who? Ooh, that is a good question. Worst teammate to room with. Look, Grace Harris talks a lot. um, And sometimes when you get back to your room, you just need a little bit of quiet. Um, Interestingly, Beth Mooney creates messes everywhere. So it depends kind of what you're into. Like if you like things orderly, you don't want to room with Beth. If you like things quiet, you don't want to room with Grace Harris. Um, Holly Furling's a bit of a contradiction too because she'll she's an excellent baker. She bakes really good things. So there's like delicious treats sometimes in your room or she'll source the best dessert for you. Um, but she also will have stuff everywhere. So I'm a pretty orderly person. I'm also pretty um, independent and I like to be pretty quiet on tour. Like it's almost when you're with the girls and around the change room, you can be all up and about, but it's kind of nice when you go back to your room to have a little bit of quiet. So I think maybe I'd struggle to room with Grace um, because Grace struggles to just, you know, every yeah. now and again. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's the best word to describe you right now? Oh, the best word to describe me right now would be Ah, good question. I want to say like, I'm trying to find one word to capture challenging myself. Let's just say challenge. Challenge will be my word. Yeah. What advice would you give a 14-year-old kid today? Good question, Max. I would say to a 14-year-old kid, I would say number one, don't be afraid to be yourself. Always stay true to yourself because that's when you'll have the most enjoyment and fulfillment. So be true to yourself and just be who you are because that's okay. The second thing I would say is control the things that you can control. Just worry about the stuff that's in your lane because there's so many things in life that you can't control. And if you get distracted by those, then it's really hard to enjoy the things that you're doing because you're constantly looking at other people or comparing yourself to other things. So control the stuff that you can control. Um, And the third thing I would say is that there's no such thing as being perfect. So there is, you will never be perfect because it isn't actually a thing that exists. So if you try and be perfect, you'll only ever be disappointed. So stay true to yourself and be yourself, control the things that you can control and perfection is not a thing. So don't try to be it. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Max. It's been a pleasure. Lovely to meet you. I'll see you in the next one. Cheers.